Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. What did ESPN Stephen Holder say about Jonathan Taylor with us and on Sports Center last night? We'll get to that here in just a second. Reminder, 8 o'clock hour hanging out in the drive. Hubler.com studios. Scott Agnes going to join us. We'll talk some Pacers with him in about a half an hour. Uh, and then at 9 o'clock, Teron Davenport going to join us as well from ESPN. He covers the Tennessee Titans. We'll get uh, the thoughts and analysis from the team down I-65. Uh, KB, before we get to this sound, uh, you also uh, have just a uh, a gripe, I guess, right? With Chris Ballard. We'll dive well, into that. Yeah. Is yeah. that right? Is a gripe? Is that the right yeah, terminology? Yeah. That's okay. So That's a good way to put it. By the way, Eddie Lacy was the Alabama running back. Eddie Lacy. Uh, thank you to Brent in the YouTube chat who brought that up. No, that was the image one. of a yeah. hurtling of a Notre Dame defender. Surprise. Mark, you have anything for Eddie Lacy? Any, no. You want to take a shot at him no. in any sort of way? Qualifies a big bust, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, he's definitely pretty he was, heavy. He's a second fr- rounder? <laughs> I think he was. Packer? <laughs> yeah. Is that what I'm thinking of? I think Mark, he was going with, he was uh, not, not the boy. size of him being a bust. But anyway, yes, I like, where you, I like where you took that, Mark. That was funny. Uh, can I just ask, and this is 10 hours ago in the Indy Star. Okay, and it might affect me because I live in Irvington, the east side of our fair city. All right. There's a monkey on the loose, KB. Yeah, where is this I, happening? It's somewhere, uh, Iron Ridge Court, south of East Washington and south Midhoffer Road. Looking for some Giacomos? <laughs> okay, so uh, what do I do if if I notice my dogs are playing with a monkey in my backyard? Who do I call? Like, honestly, who do I call if the monkey is in my garage? You just call the zoo. Just straight up call the zoo. Oh, do you, I call the no. zoo? Is there animal? No. There's got to be an animal been control. missing the walrus for over a year. Maybe the monkey can... You don't know. <laughs> you, you pour the monkey a PBR and you talk about his day. So somebody really said that they observed the monkey drinking a beer? That's what they said. Yeah, I don't know that if I That sounds like my that. kind of monkey, by the way. You know, we might not be on the map for viral in-stadium <laughs> fights, but at least... We're, I mean, that is an on-the-map story. Yeah. That I feel like it will help us with national attention. These monkeys are expensive, too. I mean, the man or woman, the family, whoever lost this, I mean, they're down... Hey, you got to think it's several thousand dollars unless they smuggled it from somewhere. Unless, you know, I mean, I, I don't know where that would be. It's from Wish TV. It says officers with the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department are assisting Indianapolis Animal Care Services with searching for a monkey named Momo. 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 In the Iron Gate neighborhood on the city's east side Wednesday evening. Officers were called to the area shortly after 6.30 p.m. Authorities called off the search around 8.30 and left the area. A neighbor told police they spotted the monkey drinking a beer from a garbage can. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's my kind of monkey. It really is. I hope oh, he's getting ripped. We got to get a picture of Mason and Momo. <laughs> I think he saw the the sports slate today. He's like, I've got Bears commanders. Yeah. I'm getting hammered. Again, we are mad at Major League Baseball. We had four di- series that could be playing oh, today. Done. Yeah, all four of them ended last night. That means Bears commanders. That's it tonight. Uh, all right, can I give you this Stephen Holder sound and then we can react? I mean, this is like it's like a minute and a half, two minutes. Is that okay? Sure. So Holder was on with us yesterday, and if you were watching the YouTube chat, I, I kind 
kind of raise my eyebrows just because he was, uh, and, and KB, maybe you said this, and I apologize, other Colts insiders, but he's like, hey, the relationship is not as bad as it was, right? I mean, I mean, that's basically what he said, that, you know, the, the venom behind, you know, Jonathan Taylor in the thought process that we have had, that maybe I've had, uh, fans have had, that Jonathan Taylor is not going to play, right? That this was going to get ugly, uh, that there were going to be fines, that he would never put on the blue and white again and run out at Lucas Oil. Uh, so let's do the clip one here, Mark. This is just him on with us yesterday talking about the change in that relationship. I don't think things are as heated as they were, for sure. That is definitely clear to me. I, I don't get that sense at all, and I'm talking about from, from both sides. I don't know who took the first step. I can't speak to that, but but I definitely sense that that there has been kind of a you know a, a breather has been taken by the parties where it's just not as inflamed as it was um, I would say a month ago you know when when this thing came to a head uh, with the the potential trade talks and, and all of that you know it was it was kind of at a zenith at that point you know um, I, I don't think we're there at right now that does not mean it's settled but I'm just saying that is a difference in posture. Okay, so that was yesterday with us. Uh, and then he went on ESPN out in front of the complex yesterday, did Stephen Holder, and did a hit. And just, you know, national. this is a little bit more uh, general where we are with Jonathan Taylor. But he says that Jonathan Taylor is not, you know, not in a bad spot right now with the Colts. So it remains unclear whether he actually rescinded that trade request. It certainly was made on the first day of training camp. But what we do know is that things between Jonathan Taylor and the Colts are vastly improved right now. I had a source tell me earlier this week that Jonathan Taylor is in a much better headspace right now, and that is allowing the situation to kind of move toward a progression where they can get on the same page, whatever that ultimately is. Whether this results in Jonathan Taylor's contract being addressed, that remains unclear, but certainly if he's going to play for the Colts, they need to be on the same page and moving forward together. You had Coach Shane Steichen this week Taylor at length after spending weeks avoiding the topic completely and this week Shane Steichen has talked effusively about or praised him effusively about Jonathan Taylor and talking about the kind of addition he could be and then lastly you heard Anthony Richardson there in that clip right now the AFC South all three teams tied at two and two the Colts think there's some opportunity here and if they can get some more explosive plays going perhaps Jonathan Taylor could be the guy who makes the difference in this offense going to the next level. So there's a lot there, but I, I just we started the show and I kind of said, okay, uh, if if he is healthy and that's a big if, we don't know how his body's feeling. If he knows the offense and playbook, like like Shane Steichen said yesterday, uh, and you throw in, you know, the the Colts are in a two and two spot, like so many, you know, 12, 13, 14 teams are in the NFL, and then you just throw on top of it that the relationship KB between the the you know the team or the coach and you know. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor and, and his people and the people there at the Colts is a lot better. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's what the four weeks was for, to have everything cool down. I don't know. Maybe Jonathan Taylor is cornered a little bit with what has happened or not happened early on in the first four weeks of the NFL season. I, I don't know. It's just like this week is the most positive and Holder's giving the most positive conversation that we've had about Jonathan Taylor in the two months that I've been here. 
And my response... I guess why? Why? What's happened here? Well, and I can't believe I'm asking for this audio, but Mark, if you don't mind, cue up an audio that you love to play. Oh, boy. Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? Well, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go, Jonathan? Yeah, yeah. Like, Andy, I, I, I hate to kind of boil it down to that simple of a statement, but what else can Taylor do? He has to play. He's got to play if he wants to get to free agency. If he wants to audition for the trade deadline coming up on Halloween, he's got to play. So, and I I don't know what else he would be doing. Like, I guess if he really, really wanted to draw the hardest of all lines in the sand, he could hold out for the rest of the season and the fines would start this week. Again, he got paid his full contract while on the pup list. And those fines would be he would miss out on his game check, two hundred forty thousand uh, each week, and then on top of that, the Colts could find him as well. So, I I think it's a little bit Andy of just what else was going to happen. I still think there are tons of questions about the future for Taylor. Oh, sure. here in twenty twenty four again, and and Stephen said this to us yesterday. You know, where are we at with the franchise tag? Is that going to be there? Um, I I still don't think the Colts are totally all in on giving him a multi-year extension even after the season is over and obviously that's as what that's what Taylor desires and certainly he wants that money as early as possible and again he's frustrated the past precedent of guys in that locker room um, is not being followed with him so I don't know if I'm all the way there and like this is all of a sudden kumbaya everyone's holding hands and Taylor's going to put pen to paper tomorrow on a three-year extension for x amount of money I simply think this is a situation where finally he's got to get on the field. Point blank period. And as I said in the opening segment, to me right now, this relationship is we are staying together for the kids. That That's what it is. I don't think this is... Jonathan Taylor coming out and all of a sudden being like, man, have I ever told you guys about how much yeah. I love Jim Irsay? This is not love. This is uh, convenience and for the kids, like you said. This is not a blossoming, go? loving relationship. Well, I think, I, I get, yes, you're you're right. That That is exactly what is happening here. And I think Stephen would kind of go there. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily listen to Stephen's comments, Andy, whether it was with us or whether it was on SportsCenter last night, and think that he was all of a sudden meeting that, like, Taylor, Irsay, and Ballard are in the basement of St. Elmo's just feet up and smoking a cigar and absolutely loving life. Like, I don't necessarily think that that is what is taking place here. Last time I was at St. Elmo's, Patino was there the night before. Uh, Anyway, for me, I'm with you. But we also have to... I mean, we lived in this world for weeks, for months, KB, that... We thought that this was going to be ugly. We thought that the in the day and age of player empowerment, Jonathan Taylor and his agent went the route of player empowerment. I'm a great player. For as long as it, they could. Yes, and it didn't work for them potentially. It didn't work. It's worked for all of these now. Like it's easier in other sports. James Does Harden. it work if he doesn't get the franchise tag next year? Does it work in that they clearly made such a stance if next offseason arrives and the franchise tag is slapped on him and it turns into Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs this past offseason or more, right. does that work? You, you can make the argument it does. I like just, if they've, if they've sure, eliminated that sure. possibility, that's more than Barkley got, that's right. more than Jacobs got. Again, I don't know, but I would say that would be the only way I kind of view this as a 
what Taylor and Malkikawa did, that has worked. Yeah, I just... They, Which we don't know. They have Jonathan Taylor has to be surprised that he went down this road and it looks like his option, his best option, and hell, maybe his only option is going to be suiting up for the Colts. He could not have thought when he when he is in uh, he and his agent or just his agent hatch this plan that we are going to kind of we're going to change entirely uh, the way that you're viewed, JT. We're going to change the way that you and the Colts relationship is going forward. This we would be sitting here before either the Tennessee game this week or the Jacksonville game next week, KB, and you know, he would basically be cornered that this was the, this is not only the best option, but the only option. You also, two other things. You mentioned what else could he do. Um, you know, uh, yes, holding out or being injured, and I can say being injured, and he's really injured, and his body's not feeling the way that it should, and we know he's a fanatic when it comes to taking care of his body or the other side of it I guess would be that he's quote unquote injured right that it's a hold in that wow you know I still have a nagging this injury or a nagging that injury or whatever else the last question I have I'm just throwing a bunch of JT stuff my mind's been working on Jonathan Taylor if he I guess Colts fans got to be whether it's this week or next week. They got to be excited about him coming back, right? I mean, you got to be excited. Oh, I, I think. I mean, I remember writing this after the draft, Andy, I, and I tweeted out last night the intrigue of Richardson and Taylor, and now what we've and, seen from Moss and Zach Moss. But it, yeah, I, I focus post draft a little sure. bit more on Richardson and Taylor. Right when he was drafted, I thought to myself, "Oh my gosh." The Colts are going to have one of the more dynamic rushing attacks in the NFL, period, right away. While Richardson develops as a passer, gets used to NFL life, all of those things, they should have one of the more fear. Because when you think about running quarterbacks, and I don't want to act like Richardson is just this guy that that, that tucks it 20 times a game, because that's not him, but he's obviously capable of running it. Whether it's Russell Wilson, who I wouldn't even label as a runner, but he had Marshawn Lynch you know, early on in his career. But whether it was Vic, whether it's you know Lamar Jackson... RG3 to a degree. I don't remember them having one of the best running backs in the NFL next to them. No. No, I mean with Lamar Jackson it's always been, oh, he needs help. I mean Lamar Jackson's entire career has been he needs help. No, I mean you would throw so in So that's where the intrigue is. Like all of a sudden if you are saying cuz Taylor unquestionably is one of the best running backs in the league. If you all of a sudden put him next to Richardson and let that grow and develop. This is why I have been a proponent of saying hand in that extent. Like I think the support for Richardson should and could be there with Taylor. Um, boy, I think Colts fans should be excited by it. Yeah, I guess okay, this is my last question to, with it because I agree with you. You put AR, uh, you have Richardson, you have Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss is a tough, is, like, he's a tough runner, right? Like he's just, he's just a tough dude, man. He'll run up, he'll take those hits, the safety coming down into the box, the linebacker, he'll do that. You can do some gadget stuff with guys like McKenzie if he ever sees the field again or Josh Downs. Like there are options there. And, and quite frankly, I mean, look at what I always go back to Steichen in Philadelphia. I know that's unfair fair. That offensive line was great. Jalen Hurts, uh, an MVP candidate and everything else. Um, but I mean, you would, I mean, they, they had, what is it? It's not BJ Boston. That was a guy who played at Kentucky and now the Lakers, but Brandon Boston, what's the guy? I mean, Boston you know, Scott, Boston Scott is Brandon Eagles. Boston. Yes. The Eagles. I mean, they would have better weapons in the backfield that Philly had last year. I guess my other thing would be this. We haven't heard about anything trade wise 
for so many weeks, right? I mean, nothing. There hasn't been a national guy. A Schefter is like, yo, they turned down this and that, and you know, this team's showing interest. And there have been running backs, and there have been teams that that kind of need help at that position. And again, maybe not as much as JT and his agent thought. Colts fans are now getting excited whether it happens this week or next week, right? They're getting we oh, yeah. we yeah. we've put that out there. You're exactly right. They're getting excited. Whether he plays this week or not, or I'm going to set up two scenarios. He doesn't play this week, and we're looking at Jacksonville, or he plays this week, he plays in Jacksonville in these coming weeks, and he's starting to look like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. It's like, okay, things are happening. Could you then trade him? Like, could you yeah, do that? that? Could you do that to? Could you do that to these your are fans? All, well, I, I, I know these are all relevant questions that need to be asked. I. If you, I've always said this with Taylor. If you have no desire to give him a multi-year extension, you need to get return on investment as quickly as possible because you need to get that investment back, aka draft picks, or you know, who knows what what a young player would look like. Because you have to support Richardson as early as possible. Uh, thank you to Liquid Smoke. He just tweeted this at me. <laughs> it's a great name. I've retweeted the video. We have a fight video at Lucas Oil. Okay? Oh, no. And this is the Monday night game against the Chargers last year. Um, I just retweeted it. Uh, it looks like a Herbert video, the, the, <laughs> or a Herbert jersey in the video. The guy looks extremely inebri- inebriated. Um, also, as I'm watching the video, I see the security guard like come up there and like, Gauge the situation and then run the other way. <laughs> Is that like protocol? You're not supposed well, to get involved. I'm trying to. I'm watching it now. Well, I, yeah, I and don't then know. Then Herbert takes a big spill. Yeah, over I'm, a couple rows. I'm seeing it now. Yeah, I mean, but is Lucas Oil the least fight centric stadium in the NFL? I think it's got to be. It's got to be up there. It's got to be right. Do we hang a banner for that? <laughs> Which one are you taking down? <laughs> Did we have this debate? Yeah. You guys said it said participant banner. (laughs) Participant (laughs) banner. That's what you thought it said. All right, Tron Depp. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Important going to join us uh, in about three minutes. If it's okay with you, KB, I think we got to lead off with what are the what are the Titans? Who the, who are the Titans? Who are they? <laughs> I mean, who, who are, are the other? Who are they? Is it wrong to ask him if Ryan Tannehill is washed as well? Well, is it as simple as they stink on the road and they're good at home? Because that's what the numbers say through four games. They have scored six touchdowns on the year. All six of them have come in their two home games. Uh, That means they've scored zero touchdowns on the road. They average nine points per game on the road, 27 points at home. 
Yeah, I don't know if that's a first quarter mirage, but right now it's been really good at home and really bad away from home. Nine o'clock hour hanging out with you in the wake up call. Drivehuber.com studios again. Teron Davenport going to join us from ESPN. We'll talk some Titans with him. Uh, I, I had to Google this so I got the saying right. I get a lot of these wrong. Isn't Sunday the immovable object versus the unstoppable force? The Titans never win away from Nashville and the Colts never win in Lucas Oil. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got to give here. Something's got to give. And I, I swear, in this game, like I, you, you fear Derrick Henry. Vrabel's a solid coach. They're still a solid team. In the last five, six tries, they have owned the Colts. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I don't know if the Colts losing, if they're going to be hungrier. Obviously, if Jonathan Taylor were to, were to play, were to play a lot and played well, I mean, that would be part of the conversation. You know, this happened with us on Friday. I was probably going to pick the Colts anyway, but don't you feel like we kind of need, we're kind of in a bad spot when we give our picks because we don't know what the injury report on Friday afternoon is going to look like. (laughs) It's better for JMV who gets to know who's in it because, you know, we got to Friday afternoon and you could tell the offensive offensive line was not going to be anywhere close to healthy and on top of it, DeForest Buckner, you kind of felt like was going to be on a pitch count against the Rams, so we don't know how those situations are going to work out for the Colts, uh, but I, but I thought, but I just thought of that. Like someone's, something's got to give in this game. Uh, you know, between the team that never wins away from Nashville and the team that never wins at home, seemingly at Lucas Oil. You know, one thing that stands out about the Titans—they are the number one ranked run defense so far this season. Um, I would offer, though, I think the Colts' run game is a bit unique compared to most in the NFL, given the dual-threat nature, of course, with Richardson, and it's just a different style than I think most teams utilize, so that will obviously be a big matchup, and you know, as we've said all throughout the morning, um, I think it's fair to say, and I don't use this word lightly, but I think it's fair to say you've been bullied by Tennessee Mm -hmm. in this matchup, and I think that's what really frustrates Jim Irsay, it's that in a game against the division rival and Mike Vrabel interviewed to be your head coach and you know all of a sudden in the last two and a half years they've beaten you five straight and in the Chris Bowden era they've won eight of 12 and that hasn't happened with the Colts against Tennessee and they're built in a way that's kind of similar to how Indianapolis has been built so I still don't view Tennessee as like super explosive or anything like that. Oh, Andy, no, of like, course you don't. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think is like breaking away from you. I think obviously he's a tremendous catcher of the football, um, but their offense does not wow you. And defensively, if you can control the line of scrimmage, aka your offensive line against their D line, as long as you do that, I think the Colts can win this game. But um, so much of it's going to come down to the battle in the trenches. Uh, do you think, and this is this is something maybe Steichen talked about, but since it is uh, either one or two on the rivalry uh, list for the Colts, do we think that Shane Steichen views or gets his team ready for this game in any different manner than other games? Certainly they cannot start out 23 nothing, right? No, Certainly they cannot do that. That was a question that I did throw to Shane yesterday. Like, did you anticipate anything practice-wise leading into last week? And, you know, he was... He downplayed that significantly. He did. did. Um, But I I don't... He hasn't hinted at that. Maybe behind the scenes he's doing a little bit more, but certainly did not hint at it. Some coaches get tight, you know, when it's uh, kind of a big game like this. It's different than the Rams or or, or something else. All right, let's go out to the Payless Liquors Hotline following the Titans for ESPN. Teron Davenport joins us here on the fan on this Thursday. Teron, good morning. How are you, sir? 
Hey, good morning. How are you guys? Man, we're fantastic. Appreciate you joining us here on this Thursday. We were just having the conversation. You know, the the Titans are 2-2 two and two, like so many teams seemingly in the NFL. They have a close win, a close loss, a blowout win, a blowout loss. Uh, Derrick Henry said good games, bad games. We saw what they did last week. Do you have any feel on what the Tennessee Titans are right now following them on a weekly basis? Yeah, it's uh, been a, a lot of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, obviously, <laughs> with them. You know, to, to lose 27-3 and then win 27-3, it, it's been up and down. I, I think the Titans are a team that needs everything to go right in order to win. That's kind of the, the best way to put it. And the way that they're built is there, there's no margin for error, right? you got to win the turnover battle. You, you have to get Derrick Henry going. you got to be able to play defense. So right now, I think they're what their record says, you know, an average team, but they have the potential to to, to move to uh, well above average if, if things go right. Again, Teron Davenport is with us from ESPN.com. Uh, Teron, the top run defense in the league, how surprised are you by that through the first four weeks? Yeah, that's definitely a surprise because that's something that the Titans, uh, that's, what, that's what they strive for. So, you know, um, Really, I, I think that comes down to a, a lot of what Zaire Franklin has been able to do. I mean, this guy is a tackling machine, and Shaq Leonard, you know, when healthy, is really good. But, yeah, it's definitely a surprise. But, you know, I think a part of that is a product of a teams wanting to throw the football, too, you know, and, and that's a, a big factor. Teron, how um I think we maybe had you on back during the spring, but I, I can't recall this conversation. Um if any, did Tennessee have interest in Anthony Richardson when the draft rolled around? I feel like they were kind of a rumor. Obviously, Will Levis in the second round, but I feel like they were kind of a rumored team to potentially uh, trade up and try to get one of those top three quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, there was absolute interest. Now, C.J. Stroud, from what I was told, was the guy that they wanted above all else. But and they had Anthony Richardson here in Nashville. He spent the whole day with, with the Titans and Mike Vrabel, he, he looked back on that. You know, he said that it was a great visit. He loved how engaging Richardson was. And, you know, he called him a big, fast, and physical quarterback. And that's exactly what he's shown himself to be. So, yeah, there was interest for sure. They were at Florida's Pro Day. And then, uh, like I said, they had him here. Tron Davenport with us. Pay less liquors hotline on the fan on a Thursday. Uh, I mean, okay, so you mentioned Anthony Richardson, the quarterback right now, Ryan Tannehill. I, listen, I, Ryan Tannehill at times looks extremely washed to me. It is what it is, but I also don't know if there's anything behind him that is ready to play. Levis obviously has had the issues, injury and everything else, and Malik Willis. Um, what kind of play do they need on Sunday from Ryan Tannehill? And then, you know, if Tannehill Hill were to go down, we've seen him be injured or just bad play. What do you think they would even do? Uh, you know, if we got to that point in the middle or latter parts of the season. Yeah, I mean, it depends how bad you're talking. I, I personally believe Chad Hill is going to be the quarterback for pretty much the, the whole season. You know, unless things really fall off off the rails, but. The way Tannehill needs to play in this game is continue to do what he's he's done, right? One thing that he has shown he could do this season is push the ball down the field. And you got Chris Moore averaging 33.5 yards per catch, which is tops in the league. And, 
Tannehill is at around 9.7 yards per uh, attempt. So, you know, you're looking at a guy who will do that. He needs to make sure he doesn't turn the football over. He also has to move within the pocket, you know, because if DeForest Buckner is is healthy, he's always a guy that has the ability to impact the quarterback. So Tannehill has to make sure that he could avoid those sacks, you know, and, and buy some extra time to get the ball to the receivers. Is there anything behind him? I mean, Willis, Levis, I mean, is there any confidence in either one of those guys? I mean, Willis is is a work in progress. He, he definitely, you know, improved from last year. And still, just watching the preseason, you, you do have those issues as far as at times holding on to the ball too long and not always believing what he sees. So that is something. And uh, Levis is, you know, he's a rookie. And he's a guy that's not getting that, that technique work and everything as much during, during practice because, you know, they have to prepare sure. for other teams. So they're both works in progress. I, I'm not sure that they even turn it over to those guys uh, next year, to be honest with you. Again, Teron Davenport is with us here from ESPN. Uh, Teron, when this matchup always arises, it's probably not a name you get asked about a ton, but what Danico Autry's done in Tennessee continues to stand out. To me, I, I felt like he had a really nice run here in Indianapolis and certainly has carried that uh, to, to to the Titans as well. What has he meant to, I would say, one of the better defensive lines uh, out there? Yeah, Danico Autry is, he's, man, it, it, you're talking about a guy that just, there's no flash and fluff. He just goes out there and he whoops whoever's in front of him. He whoops their tail down in and down out. And, He's meant a lot, not just from a statistical standpoint, from a standpoint of how they run their stunts and twists, how he sets the edge, how he plays against the run, and then even just the mindset. You know, it's funny. I went up to him uh, after the game last week against the Bengals, and I was like, hey, Danico, man, we got to talk to the stat people because they didn't give you your half a set. And he was like, man, I don't give a F about that. You know what the F it is. I'm like, all right. I was just trying to help you contract-wise, but I get where you're coming from. You know, he, he's just – you know how they, they say people got the dog in him. That, that's what he has, man. He has a lot of dog in him. Well, KB's he's upset because he was a Colt. And, you know, his contract, yeah. it's, not, it's not like he's making 22 mil a year. He's not going to be making Chris Jones or Dexter Lawrence money, and he could be here at part of the rotation. We have the over-under at one-and-a-half sacks for him on Sunday. Teron, that's what we have. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. And I'll I tell you, you know, it's funny. I asked him yesterday uh, about that, you know, because last year we did a story. You know, I talked to him and we did a story, and, and he talked about how, you know, it, it still burns him up that they didn't even offer him a contract. But this year he's like, man, it's just another game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, it's just another game. But I still think – 100% he's going to be ready to play. Uh, things around in Tron Davenport, ESPN. He follows the Colts. He's on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one for me, uh, and I'm just going to throw uh, you know all the weapons around Tannehill. I'm just going to throw some things at you. Um, seems to be kind of an up-and-down year. I mean, there are games here in Cleveland, 1.8 per carry for Henry. Chargers, 3.2. Uh, and then obviously last week against the Bengals, a breakout hell. He even threw one to Derrick Henry. So how is anything different how they're utilizing Derrick Henry just being careful of his usage and then uh, the Burks injury and early returns on Hopkins so all those things I'm throwing at you uh, all the weapons around Ryan Tannehill yeah so starting with Derrick Henry really 
the big thing was the Browns. You know, they were they had nine in the box at times. They were run blitzing. Those guys were getting to Derrick Henry in the backfield. In fact, he had more yards after contact than he had yards rushing. <laughs> so <laughs> that just lets you know how it was for him. Now, they started uh, one of the things that, that they're doing is like a, a quick pitch out of shotgun, and they, they pull the, the, the guard and, and, and the tight end, and they come and they kick that out, and, and he's able to get yards there. I think, you know, that's been a factor, and it's just sticking to it. You know, he had a lot of carries last week, and that's why he was able to do what he does. Um, Tajay Spears is another factor, their third-round draft sure. pick. So that's something. And then as far as uh, Traylon Burks is concerned, that knee, it's its the same knee that he had the LCL sprain in joint practices against the Vikings in August. And he was able to come back, but I, I don't know, something happened uh, in that in that Saints game that kind of tweaked him because he came back after that and he had like a, a wrap on there or a sleeve, I guess you could call it. And then it progressed the following week into you know him being on the injury report and having uh, a, a, a wrap, a more intense one on there. And then, uh, you know, he didn't play last week. So I don't know really the situation. I think they'll probably just wait it out. Unfortunately for them, you know, you got Chris Moore playing the way he is and Nick Westbrook Kikini from Indiana. You, you know, he's a guy that uh, has stepped up and he's actually led the Titans in, in receiver snaps this whole season. Um, now, as for DeAndre Hopkins, the return is there. You, you know, you look at last week, he had that 38 yard reception on, on the third down. Uh, he's a guy that Ryan Tannehill was going to a lot on third downs and in just all situations, you know. So uh, I think situation-wise, the return is there. Number-wise, it's not, you know, the normal DeAndre Hopkins. But, you know, one thing I've noticed about him is, is he's very positive. He's always giving input to the receivers. You know, I watched him during individual period a, a lot, and, and he's he's been a big help for them. Again, it is Colts and Titans this Sunday. Titans have won five straight in this matchup. The line shifted a little bit here in the last 24 hours. Tennessee a slight favorite heading in to Sunday. Teron, always enjoy our combos. Hopefully we can do it again here uh, when these two teams meet again later this season. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate it. Always enjoy my trips up to Indy, man. Get get my uh, shrimp cocktail, my, my ribeye. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. You know what you're doing. Save there you travels go. up 65. <laughs> yes, sir. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Couple different reminders. We're getting you ready for Colts and Titans. Reminder: Sunday, 9 a.m. All the pregame coverage, play-by-play, post-game. It's all right here on the fan. A couple different reminders as well. Teron Davenport will join us coming up in a half an hour. He'll talk uh, everything Titans as we get you ready for Sunday. All right, let's jump to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott Agnes joins us. Fieldhouse Files. We're talking some Pacers on this Thursday. Scott. Good morning. How are you, sir? 
Hey, good morning, Andy. All good here. It's nice to get rolling again and have some uh, legitimate basketball to talk. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited. I'm all jacked up. I was looking at your Twitter feed. Larry Bird was in the house uh, for the, what, the first practice there for the Pacers. Uh, Could Larry Bird and Buddy Heald, if I put him on the three-point line, what do you think? Whoa. Right now. I mean, it's a big, this is big time. One guy's 40-some-odd percent, and the other one's Larry Bird. Who wins? Come on, right now. (laughs) I think Larry would tell you Buddy's got him easily now. But I I have no doubt that probably Larry could beat a couple of the players, I'm guessing. He could probably still hold his own. But Buddy's the best shooter on this team and uh, is doing it at a high rate. He's the first guy to ring the bell each day, which means you've made at least 20 of 25 shots. So I'll give it to the guy who's still playing and still looking sharp in Buddy. Do we know who rings the bell second on the team? You may not know. I'm just asking. Since you mentioned it, I was wondering, who rings it second? Any idea? Or is it just one guy per uh, per, well, per this, practice? This is one of those little nuances, little things that I keep track of every single day. Yesterday, it was Ben Mather. Actually, okay. both days. Ben Mather and twice. Uh, both times finished second. Scott, is, is Larry, like, does he have any title with the team? I mean, it just seems like kind of an open-door policy, obviously. But is there a consultant role? I, I kind of forget where we are at with Larry Bird. Yes, he's back on as a consultant. If you remember last July, uh, he went off. I, I reported how he, he kind of went off the books. He was no longer employed by the franchise. Um, I even got Kevin on the record talking about how, it, it, I mean, like you were kind of referencing, he's an asset if, if they ever need anything or vice versa or whatever. They know they can call him, but um, he was no longer in that consultant role. Then we saw him return for pre-draft workouts, which I was always told was one of his favorite things. He was there, uh, so that would have been back in May, and then Rick Carlisle told me, no, he's now back in a consultant role. So that's where that stands, and this is the first time we've seen him since pre-draft workouts. And it was fantastic. When we walked in there, Miles Turner, the only guy left on the team that he drafted, that he was team president for, they struck up a long conversation. Later on, several players just came o- over and shook his hand, like Oscar Shibwe. Uh, you had a good interaction with, of course, the face of the team and Tyrese Halliburton. So it, 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 because of who he is and the kind of the stature he still carries, uh, I mean, it, it's pretty cool to see him there and interacting with everyone. And on top of that, now it was two courts away, but he looked good. He looked in good health. He, you know, he looked comfortable. So that's all good things. Ken Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Pacers training camp underway. They're actually going to board a plane here and on Saturday for the first preseason game coming up Sunday night yeah. in Memphis. Scott, I want to go a little bit away from maybe the starting lineup, but two very intriguing guys in in different ways. What do you or how do you envision the roles this upcoming season for Andrew Nemhard and uh, T.J. McConnell? Yeah, that's one of those that's going to be fascinating to watch. I think Andrew Nemhart's your backup point guard, KB. I do. Uh, he's getting Right now he's getting more of those reps in part because, uh, according to Carlisle, uh, T.J. McConnell suffered a, a, a minor ankle injury last week. But based on photos the team posted yesterday, he, he, he was active in live action. But for, even to forget all that, I mean, the, again, for the second year in a row, the number one player – People single out as Andrew Nemhart, his development, uh, what he's able to do, and how sharp he looks. So I think he's going to get the majority of minutes, and that's why 
T.J. McConnell seems kind of like the odd man out. Although, keep in mind, too, how many times have you needed that third third point guard? Well, plus, uh, Nemar could play off the ball if you'd like to, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You could see some of, uh, you know, something like T.J. McConnell and Andrew Nemhard in the backcourt. But I think they want to get bigger. Um, and also, then, if you go down the line, then there's a trickle-down effect, right? So if those two play together and Buddy Heald's coming off the bench, what does that mean for Buddy's minutes? What about Aaron Neesmith, who's probably going to play more at the three than the four, unlike last year? Um and so you kind of just go on down the line. Same is probably true for the power forward spot then. Is, or excuse me, backup center spot. Is who's getting the minutes behind Miles Turner? Because I can make a case for any of the four. And yeah, I said four because I'd probably include Jairus Walker in certain circumstances and as that backup five. So those are among the, the biggest things I'm most curious to see play out here with the preseason games. You're right, starting on Sunday, which <laughs> that's less than a week into camp. I know if I'm a head coach, I'd sure like a couple, a week or two more, but that's where we're at. Scott Agnes with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline found the Pacers Fieldhouse Files. Uh, the defense, you know, we had Carlisle on, and all the conversation has been around them being a better defensive team. Do you expect that to take some time for those guys to be the defensive team that they hope they can be? And what sorts of things will you be looking for to see if they're picking up and actually getting better at that area? Yeah, so we somewhat got a preview of of the defense in Summer League. And and really it was starting from Game 2 on. They were disgusted with how things looked and how they played in that Game 1. And it just wasn't really sharp. Uh, they didn't believe, but felt better about the way things started in Game 2. And you had Jim Boylan on that Summer League staff, a guy that <laughs> has been an NBA head coach, remember, with the Bulls mm-hmm. several years ago, and he was even on that Summer League staff. He he doesn't – the one thing the Pacers coaching staff is going to be doing differently this season is they're not assigning you know, roles, coordinators, uh, if you will. I asked Rick about that once, Rick, once Ronald Norad moved on to Atlanta – and he said, we're probably going to do things differently. Well, that is the case. And Jim Boylan will kind of head up the defense, of course, it still sounds like. But they don't want him to be called defensive coordinator. It's going to be more collaborative. Um, I guess we'll see exactly what that looks like. But um, the, the two main stressors, Andy, that, that have been emphasized is the importance. And actually, this is my story on Fieldhouse Files today. Uh will be just how, how guys need to be able to, what they say, guard their yard, win their matchup, and not rely on you know help defense so much and switching everything. And, and even the safety net of Miles Turner back there, I mean, especially the last couple of years, yes, Miles' blocks have been up, and he even joked, he was like, yeah, I hope that continues, those are easy. <laughs> but it also means it, it's a negative thing if Miles has too many block opportunities. It means they're needing him in the last line of defense too often. So it starts with that point of attack defense, locking in on your man, and then and then being accountable to yourself, to your teammates, to the team's defense. And so um, that's what they've been working on. And, in fact, each day they're kind of having this one-on-one battle uh, to try to see who can win, the, win the, the, the matchup there. And it kind of reminds me of the fun king of the courts that at least I became familiar with back in 2014 with USA Basketball and such where – after practice, you tried to see, you know, who could hold their own against the elites. It was Paul George. It was James Harden. It was Kevin Durant battling. And I think the guys take great pride in that. Matherin reached the finals 
the day, first day, Obi Toppin reached the finals on day two. Um, so all, all things right now are being emphasized on the defensive end. Kenny, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, last one from me. You brought up Benedict Matherin. Uh, it sounded like he spent a little bit of time with Clay Thompson in the offseason. Yeah, they do. They share. He shares a uh, trainer. And so that's the obvious connection that kind of got them set up. But, uh, yeah, he, he said he was asking him a ton of questions about shooting. And the one thing, biggest thing, KB, that he took away was how every shot of Clay Thompson is the same. Doesn't matter where it is. Uh, doesn't matter how quickly he needs to get it off. It's all boom, boom, same exact thing, just repetitive. And that's something that Jenny Busick, uh, one of the team assistant coaches here with the Pacers, but also someone who's just a brilliant basketball mind, uh, like truly, like the way in which she thinks about the game and the mechanics of a shot. She worked with T.J. McConnell last year, and it did wonder. She's working with Andrew Nemhard, um, Benedict Mather, and it wouldn't surprise me uh, as well. And so he, he noticed – Matherin that uh, you know Clay would miss a shot and it wouldn't be his his actual shot at all. It'd be his foot was pointed slightly out of whack and that's why he missed. So hmm. he tried to soak up all he could with Clay and battled. Uh, he pointed out how hey, keep in mind that he won some of those back and forth as well. The highlight video that they posted uh, was just of the highlights of Clay scoring, which frustrated him. But uh, anything like that can be a good thing, especially in learning from one of those Warriors guys who's had so much success. Scott Agnes with us, Payless Liquors Hotline. Last one, and we appreciate the time. Uh, how much interest, you know, did they reach out? How real was the interest there with the Pacers and Drew Holiday? And then a second part of that is, you know, Holiday goes to the Boston Celtics. How big of a deal is that for them? Oh, that's significant. Yeah, if you're the Bucks, like while you did the Damian deal, you the, the worst case scenario then is for Holiday to end up in your only other real right. competition, it seems like right now in the Eastern Conference in the Boston Celtics. Yes, probably Miami's close, but no, they are not in that same bracket as those two teams, and that's what it's going to be presumably the rest of the, for this season. And in the Bucks, the Celtics. Uh, the next tier, and then everybody else. But, yeah, I, my understanding is the, the Pacers checked in on Drew Holiday, but that never really made sense. Like, we've talked about the overlap in, in guard spots just with Nimhard and, and with T.J. McConnell. You got Tyrese Halliburton right there. The team does not need another point guard or guards right now. In fact, they need one less guard, and they need one less power forward. Um, Drew Holiday's in a contract year, so you know you'd have to pay him. Uh, next year, uh, some kind of big salary, and he's 33. This team, in terms of the front office and coaching staff, haven't talked too much about the playoffs. Bringing in Drew Holiday would be the thing that puts you over the top. That's how the Bucks treated it. It's probably how the Celtics are treating it. It'd be several years too soon, if you ask me, in terms of adding a player like Drew Holiday. But in terms of his skill set and his personality, he's a perfect match for any team. He, he's a treat for any team to be on. So, of course, they all looked into it. Scott, I know it's a really well-attended uh, attended event, but some changes to it this year. I wanted to make sure we snuck in the new details on Fan Jam. I believe that is a week from Saturday coming up. Yeah, good point there. That's something that Rick Carlisle highlighted on day one. It's at Fan Jam, the annual event. It's always free, and they give out usually the first 5,000 fans you know, concession items. And honestly, if you you don't have time or don't want to pay for a ticket throughout the NBA season or it's difficult 
or if you want to just get a first look at the team, this is where you go to. And, and honestly, the scrimmage, especially the last couple of years, it's felt like an NBA All-Star game. It's dunks, it's three-pointers. Um, the hustle isn't quite there. It is totally understandable. It's usually a Sunday afternoon practice, and you're trying to make the fans happy. But Rick said, no, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're treating this like a fifth exhibition game. So he called the, the league office and requested game officials. They'll have game officials. They won't be wearing practice uniforms. They'll be in game uniforms. So uh, they'll treat it as much as they can like an exhibition game uh, with a couple assistant coaches heading up both teams. Again, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Scott, looking forward to more of these Thursday combos throughout the year. Thank you. All right, thank you guys.